You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young. Good Saturday morning, hour two now of 757 Saturday Sports Talk, brought to you by Larry King Law. If you're injured in an accident, you call 757-INJ-U-R-E-D for Larry King. Matt Hatfield here with you, and at this time, we're pleased to be joined by a special guest. It got it all started for him in the 757 over at Bethel High School in Hampton, where he dazzled in both football and basketball, then went on to Notre Dame and became the ACC Defensive Player of the Year in just a couple of Years ago was a second-round draft choice of the NFL's Cleveland Browns, and now gearing up for yeah, year three as a linebacker for the Browns. He's got his JOK 757 camp coming to Darling Stadium in Hampton on Sunday. We say hello to our pal Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. Jeremiah, good to talk to you again. How you been? Hey, what's going on, guys? It's been a pleasure, man. I'm glad to be back in the 757. Glad to be back in Virginia. and uh, To do what I do, man, we love it. Yeah, it's our pleasure. It's uh, it makes me feel old every time I see you out there hitting people wearing that number twenty eight there on NFL Sundays, Jeremiah. Because it was not too long ago you were out there at Bethel helping them get to a state championship in basketball, coming down the alley, laying the boomstick on folks. What's your favorite couple of memories from back home in the seven five seven? Oh man, of course it's the rivalries, man. The the competitive nature of the seven five seven is immaculate, um, and you carry it on. You know, the longer you go, the longer you play ball. Uh, but it has to be the memories of just the rival games in the, in the stadium and on the court. Um, just being able to um, be competitive and to have that pride on your chest, whether it's Bethel, whether it's Hampton, however, um, you know, the guys want to compete um, and whatever name they wear on their chest, you know, ultimately it's, it's, it's repping the 757. And those are always the memories that are, you know, stay with you. I've told people that you're one of the most intelligent athletes I've come across in my 20-so years of doing this. We've had a number of them go to the highest level professional ranks. You had a quote recently, I believe, on your website uh, at nkwa.jok.camp. People can check it out where you said, quote, sports has always been an avenue to develop the minds of youth worldwide to teach, to inspire, and to foster a new generational mindset that seeks to optimize their resources and opportunities for the betterment of their community. That's what it's all about. Now, I want to know. The 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, the 11th grade Jeremiah Owusu that's sitting in gym class at Bethel High School, sitting in, you know, Matt, listening to Coach Craig Brehan lecture you, all those different things. <laughs> what was he thinking about at that point? I mean, I know you had dreams and aspirations to play in the NFL one day, things like that, but what were you thinking about at those times? And I guess what was your motivation and inspiration? Oh, man, well, as a high schooler, you know, I, I was thinking, what can I do? to really, and, and that quote says optimize, to optimize the opportunities that I'm given. Um, I remember when growing up, um, going to Bethel, we had a lot of coaches, um, a lot of people around the facility that were in the military, and they will always have this quote that said, leave the place better than you found it, right? And when I came into contact with that quote, that quote really did something to me because I didn't want to leave the place into which gave me the opportunities, into which gave me my competitive nature, to gave me those experiences that I had. I didn't want to leave it the same. Um, so that right there was a true embodiment of uh, my mindset, whether it was from eighth grade on to twelfth grade, um, and just understanding that whatever I do and how I do it, 
that I must leave it better than I found it. And Bethel was that place that um, I had the calling or the purpose of the mission uh, to not only leave it um, as is, but to more leave it um, better than I had found it, better than I had went into it. That's so awesome as you're doing this with Via Eagles and Sports Plug 757. The camp coming up tomorrow at Darling Stadium in Hampton. Registration starts at 8 a.m. NFL special guests, awards, seven-on-seven position drills, food, and drinks. And if you don't know, Darling Stadium is kind of the mecca for football in the peninsula. Darling and Todd, where all those games have been played on Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays with all the schools across Hampton and Newport News. And what uh, what propelled you, I should say, what really made you decide you wanted to do this camp and do it now here at Darling for the 757? Well, you know, I, I've done some stuff in St. Lucia. I've done some stuff over in Israel. I've done some stuff, um, you know, in Ghana uh, specifically. I've done a lot of the different activities internationally. But, I, you know, the place that I wanted to do uh, first when I got to the national um, landscape was, of course, uh, my home, my heart, um, and my mind, uh, which is a 757. Um, it, it is the true um, all-encompassing way into which I live my life um, to represent and to be, um, in a sense, a diplomat of the 7-5 wherever I go. Um, so when I wanted to start the camps here um, in the U.S., I wanted the 7-5 to be um, the first place that I, I came. Not only the 7-5 being the first place that I came, but more specifically, uh, Darling Stadium, to which we all share uh, some blood, sweat, and tears with, um, as all of the, the teams in the 7-5-7 have to eventually uh, one way or another, have came into contact with Darwin Stadium. So that was a place that was near and dear to me. And I wanted to make that um, the the point into which I started um, my, um, I would say, my tour <laughs> here in the United States um, of these camps, not only uh, focusing on football, but more so the holistic perspective of a life and how you can perceive football um, in a way that will change your life. That's so awesome. We're talking with Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, linebacker for the NFL's Cleveland Browns. He's got his football camp coming up, the JOK 757 camp at Darling Stadium on Sunday. Registration starting at 8 a.m. Get on over there and enjoy it. should be a fun time. NKWA.JOK.camp. For more details, it is 757 Saturday Sports Talk here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. And uh, Jeremiah, I asked this to so many different uh, athletes that have played at the professional levels. That More recently, the, the Jalen Holmeses, the Josh Sweats, the Taekwon Smith-Mizels. As a kid, I'm sure you went to camps. What camps did you go to? What do you remember? Do you, what did you take away from some of them you went to as a kid growing up? Uh, well, as a kid, I didn't go to many camps. Um, I do remember recalling, uh, I believe, you know, uh, Tomlin had a camp here. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Vic had a camp. Um, but more so, I, I mean, I was going to a lot of different college camps, trying to be seen, trying to um, expand my knowledge, but also expand uh, the scope into which I was scouted by other, co- by other coaches. Um, but, yeah, so I, those were the main things that I had did growing up was going to some of those college camps and going to some of the, you know, uh, you know, uh, what do they call it, some of the uh, scouting with the colleges and, and uh, Virginia Tech, James Madison. I went to a lot of those, but I don't remember or really recalling going to a bunch of camps. Um, and, and really just because we didn't have a lot of opportunities to have these type of camps. Okay. Um, at least I wasn't in contact with them. So uh, for me to be here and to provide the opportunity to gain more wisdom and insight um, you know, on the game and, and how the game should be played and how it should be perceived. Um, and how you can make the best out of it, you know, is a, is a great opportunity, a great opportunity uh, that we have tomorrow. No question. Now, what, what do you hope uh, the youth out there, the kids that do come to your camp, what do you hope they gain from it and take away and uh, use moving forward? 
I, I would wish that they gain the the points um, that football allows them to see. Um, that is sacrifice. That is uh, hard work. That is teamwork. That it is perseverance. Um, that it is long suffering. Right. I, I want them to understand the points and the principles of life through the game of football. I don't want them to just play the game of football and to you know try to make it to the NFL and that be it. I want them to see. Um, you know, the war tactics within football. I want them to see this, the scouting and the study that, that goes into it and how they can carry those same traits into their everyday life. And ultimately, they understand that that into which they gain from football, that they can use it um, as a resource for their community. And I want them to see me in that. I want them to see the exemplar um, that will allow them to uh, give back and to ultimately, you know, heal an issue. You know, we have many issues um, in our community. And I think um, this is just the start of it. You'll see me back more and more and more as uh, time goes on, uh, just trying to fix those uh, you know, those issues that we may have here in the 757, the, the problems you know that we have. Education, right? Mm-hmm. Education is uh, the art of learning to better or to solve issues, to put it simply, right? So I want to educate the, the youth tomorrow, and um, we're also going to be uh, – very competitive. I want them to understand that this is going to be uh, not a, a walk in the park. <laughs> you know, I got a tug of war rope with me. I got Ooh. some up downs with me. <laughs> you know, I got some uh, some flags. We'll do some seven on seven, and um, you know, we'll also represent a lot of the athletes that have came before us. We'll have uh, amount of teams named after some of those athletes that have done a great job um, in setting that example. So I can't wait. Well, I just watched a few weeks ago Tyreek Hill from the Dolphins had a camp in Virginia Beach, Jeremiah. One of those little four-year-olds wanted to challenge him in a speed race. There's going to be one of those little six-year-olds from Hampton or Newport News or wherever. It's going to say, oh, listen, I, I can take you in tug of war, Jeremiah. So you, you're ready to – you're not going to let him win, right? You're going to go at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not going to be one guy out there that challenges. I know. It's going to be a bunch of them. But there's going to be one that's really beating his chest thinking he's got you. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I'm going to be smart at that time. I'm going to just say, hey, so – I'm going to let you make the decision, right? <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm going to lay the cards out for him. But, you know, I'm going to say if you lose, then you just got to leave the camp. But if you win, <laughs> I'm going to make it hard on him. So <laughs> we'll see. Listen, he's going to expect some kind of chicken sandwich or an autograph or something if he's got to leave the camp if he loses. So. Yeah, no, nah, I'll get him right, get him a jersey and everything. There you man. go. There you go. With that 28 jersey. Uh, now, speaking of smart, you made a really smart decision, I think, going to Notre Dame. You had a lot of schools you could have considered very quality, so many quality schools. I mean, I remember your recruiting, it was you had Virginia, Michigan State, this school, that school. But what did Notre Dame do for you, Jeremiah, both in terms of the football and then away from the game? What did it do for you in your growth and maturation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you, you know, looking into going into a college, um, all you really have is what the college tells you, the stuff that you search up, the history, right? So you don't truly know because ultimately it's really about the experience and being there that's going to ultimately determine um, the entire scope of it all, right? So in deciding to go to Notre Dame, I saw that um, the values match with my values. I valued education. I valued uh, longevity. I valued uh, football. I valued exposure. And I valued wanting to get to the NFL. So it was the most holistic uh, school that I could find and that had offered me at the time um, and that could really produce uh, what I needed in reference to resources internationally and nationally. Um, So I think that is the best decision. Anybody that's out there listening and has a Notre Dame offer, i.e. my brother, um, you know, you might want to just go ahead and (laughs) uh, make that decision. But, yeah, 
so Notre Dame, I, I believe, did a lot for me um, in reference to the diversity that's there, uh, not just uh, football-wise, but also spiritually. It's a Catholic university. I'm not Catholic myself, um, but, you know, when it's a preeminent Catholic university, it also attracts uh, different religions and different scholars, Muslim scholars, imams. Um, you'll have a lot of different uh, priests and, and monks and all type of stuff that's just walking around the campus. Uh, so uh, it was it was great in my development um, holistically, and that's exactly um, what I you know was led to. And I, my advice to everybody that's out there that's you know trying to decide on what college to go to is to write a list of your values, and you know ask whoever is recruiting you or whoever uh, whatever the college is to see what the college's values is and see if they match, and to make that decision by that. Your first two seasons in the NFL, you've got over a hundred plus tackles here with the Cleveland Browns, helped them uh, get to the postseason dance a couple years ago. I know that's the goal to get there and obviously win the AFC North, have a big year this year. But, um, you know, going back to the draft process, Jeremiah, I felt like a lot of people, surprisingly, you slipped into the second round. You were, to us, a first-round talent. How did you deal with that process as you, you know, you, you wiped that slate clean and said, hey, that doesn't matter now, I'm going into the league. And how would you kind of evaluate your first two seasons, the things that you've liked, the things that you want to work on? Yeah, absolutely. Um the draft process for me to handle that, um, a lot of it dealt with just understanding um, my faith and my reality. Uh, you know, I don't deal with hypotheticals. I don't deal with uh, superstitions. So, in you know, dealing with issues that arise or things that may not be um, or perceived as issues, right? You have to visualize them as this is just what it is, and this is what was meant. Um, Cleveland is a perfect place for me. It's, it's a way that um, it kind of replicas Notre Dame a lot, actually, with diversity and, and how the fans operate. Um, so it's, it's kind of very similar in that case. But for me, you know, I, I love those situations to where I may not expect the situation to arise or happen the way it happens. It just allows me to be a better person and from those challenges I can develop. Um, and, you know, that's what I have done. Um, in Cleveland, it's been a great um, experience, you know, Coach Stefanski is always texting me randomly, uh, you know, handle business, handle business, you know, this year, you know, because this, this is the one, you know, this is the one that, um, you know, durability and availability is the best ability, the best ability, the durability and the availability is the best ability, as um, is a common saying in the NFL. So right now I'm just focused on, you know, remaining healthy, making sure that I can be on the, the course with the plays and just, you know, um, you know, I'll be on the field, you know, just about every play. Hopefully this year, and we'll <laughs> and we'll get to stand ride. And I can't wait to um, start the season. And you know, uh, it'll be one for the books. Well, certainly everybody talks about the offenses in your division. Uh, you guys with Deshaun Watson at quarterback, Nick Chubb in the backfield, Amari Cooper receiver. We know what the Ravens have with Lamar Jackson, the Bengals with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. But I think quietly your defense, uh, certainly with Miles Garrett, one of the cornerstones there. And then you picked up another VA guy in Juan Thornhill. What, what do you think about Juan coming over, former UVA guy, Alta Vista? Have you guys gotten to connect at all? Uh, yeah, you know, we, we, we connected as soon as he touched down, or really as soon as he signed because – um, when I was at UVA, I had committed to UVA. I, he was actually my host there. Right. Oh, I didn't know <laughs> so that. He hosted you. Okay. Yeah. He kind of gave me some crap when, you know, <laughs> how you a traitor, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it's all love. I think, uh, you know, Juan, man, he's a great safety, great communicator, um, understands the game at a high level. I cannot wait um, to, you know, see him in action. We've, we've had a, a bit of experience already in OTAs and mandatory mini camps, so he's um, developing along, outstanding, and I can't wait to, you know, uh, be out there with him. 
Well, a couple more for him. I'm going to let you go. We appreciate yes, time sir. so much. But uh, basketball, he was a great I had to call a couple of his state championship games, and he could dunk. So I know the Browns might not want to hear this because we're in football mode. I want to know one-on-one, could, could you lock him up like you could lock some of the better dudes around the 7-5-7 and VA up on the court if you all went one-on-one right now? Have you have you watched his basketball game or no? That, and that's what I'm saying. He, he knows that I play basketball. I didn't even know he played. Oh, so you that, didn't know that? Oh, wow. That, that, that answered the question. <laughs> 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 Nah, but um, you know, I'm sure that um, you know he he can tell from from the, the clips that he's seen that you know it'll be an issue for him. But it's only one way to find out. <laughs> Maybe next offseason we could call a one on one challenge. Listen, you can you could do some kind of charity basketball game. Do it back in VA. People will love that. Um, let yeah, you go. I'll let you go on this one, Jeremiah. And we look forward to the camp tomorrow. Uh, tell the Dog Pound Nation what they can expect this coming here because you know it's a fan base. As I mentioned, they've had some some good times. They've been snake bit. They've been close. But you guys are underdogs, and nobody's talking about you. So I'm I'm sure you could be that shocking team this year. What what can the Dog Dog Pound Nation and the Cleveland Browns fans expect from you and the group? Well, they can just expect for me to be a good teammate first and foremost. To be a good uh, brother to my teammates, um, and that all comes into, and I think with that, that is all encompassing everything. That's being a playmaker. That's being um, honest to my teammates. That's um, studying film. That is um, being a great um, player to my coaches. Right. So me being a good teammate um, and an honest player, I think that um, you know you have to be honest to the game. You can't cheat the game. So that's what they can expect from me. Um, everything else. Uh, will come with it, you know, the the numbers and, you know, the awards. All of that will come with it if I'm able to be a good teammate. Um, our coach stresses all, all the time, team, right? Smart stuff, smart, tough accountability is exactly what we're aiming to do. Um, and as long as we can start fast and start as a team, I think we'll be just fine. A lot of people looking forward to that Battle of Ohio on Sunday, September 10th when the Browns play host to the Bengals. But up first is tomorrow on Sunday, the 25th of June. Jeremiah Owusu-Kormo is JOK 757 camp at Darling Stadium in Hampton. Registration starts at 8 a.m. NFL special guest award, seven-on-seven position drills, food and drinks, so much more. Jeremiah, always a pleasure. All the best to you and your family. Send them my love, and we'll talk again soon. Absolutely, and I do want to add before I, I roll out, sure Mark Cooper will also be there. So make sure y'all, you know, Mark Cooper fans, y'all pull up too. There you go. <laughs> Bring out there and uh, get, get a picture, maybe perhaps with Amari and Jeremiah, and have some fun out there with Coop and uh, JOK. Always a pleasure, my friend. We'll talk again soon. All right, much love. That is Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. He out of Bethel High School in Hampton, dropping a little scoop there as Amari Cooper, the wide receiver, will be in attendance tomorrow at his camp at Darling Stadium on Victoria Boulevard in Hampton, right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio of ninety four point one. I didn't, I didn't ask him if he wanted to play for the Raiders. That would be Ed's question if Ed was here. He would have said, "Yeah, can you play for the Raiders?" No, I'm not asking him that question. He's not playing for the Raiders. He's playing for the Browns. And I tell you what, he, the thing he said, leave the place better than you found it. Uh, just so he, he's doing that with what he's doing. I mean, if you should just people should just Google his name and research the stuff he's doing for, for Ghana and places just all over the world. It's unbelievable what this young man's doing. So I think some special things are in store for him both on and off the field and great to see. We'll take a timeout. We've got Chris Monter around the bend as well to talk about the NBA draft and everything there. 757-687-9494 is the number if you want to hop in here right here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. 
Back here on the show, before we get to Chris Mantra, the Mantra Draft News and College Basketball News, we caught up this past week at Powhatan Field in Norfolk with one of the newest JMU Dukes commits for football. He, a defensive and outside linebacker out of Nansman River High School in Suffolk, second-team All-State, first-team All-Region a season ago, Emmanuel Manny Azagu. Here's what he had to say about his commitment to JMU on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Is college football for the Dukes go. of JMU. Manny, first and foremost, uh, how's it feel to be headed to JMU to play college football? It feels great. I know I'm playing for a great coach, and they're very supportive, and I like my coach. I like the surrounding. I like the state. I like everything about the school. When I first went there, I knew it was the one. When did you go there first time? I went there on a visit in March. Okay. What was it about JMU? You started to get a lot more attention here the last couple of months. You okay. picked up a little bit. What was it about JMU that made them so special and different from other schools? They were, they really like, they came down to school to see me. They made sure I was, they always stayed on top of me, made sure I was doing right. It felt like they wanted to see me do great and it felt like a family thing. What did the coaches staff say they like most about your game? Because you had a pretty uh, big breakout junior campaign, helped the Warriors get back to the playoffs, advance. What was it they liked, they liked about your game? They like my diversity in positions. They like how fast I am and explosive I am of playing D-line and aggressive I am at linebacker, and I can just get around the field, make plays sideline and sideline. Outside linebacker or defensive in there? Because you play a little bit both. What do you think you fit in most naturally there? What do they think potentially? They're playing me at will linebacker, so okay, inside. Linebacker. Yep. Okay. As far as uh, what you can tell the JMU fans out there, what, what do you think you can bring to their program and their scheme as far as what will make you an asset early on the field? So the scheme is built around players like me. I had to talk with Coach Haynes and the recruiting. We get in other players, a lot of the players, 24 committing recently, and we're the first team that's going to be eligible to get a bowl ring, and we're going to do that. How exciting is that, Manny? I mean, I'm sure growing up you, you had some childhood favorites and you watched some of the college football, but JMU's now an FBS Division One school yes, as opposed to FCS 1AA. Did that appeal to you during this process? Like, I can stay in state and play yes, kind of big boy college football? Yes, sir. It definitely did. And it's a home school. I like that a lot. Yes, sure. sir. Um, as far as uh, now, do you become a guy, uh, whether they're from Nance River or other schools, try to get them to team up with you at JMU and build something with the 757 connection? Because they've had a lot of success over the years of getting uh, players from this area. Yes, sir. Anybody that you're going to try to reach out to? Maybe oh, yeah. A guy I played with when I was little just committed there the other day. Okay. We played together in 14U, and my t- one of my team uh, – I can't say too much. One of my <laughs> teammates and maybe coming okay, with me. Okay, good deal. Uh, tell me about uh, this past year and your development. What, what did you improve on most this past year in your game? Last year, I was all, I thought I was fast and didn't have to work on speed, but I thought that was my strength. So I got way better at that. And last year, at, I went to a camp and ran a 4.7. And this year, I ran a 4.5. That, that was at ODU when I was a okay. sophomore. Okay. Then I ran the uh, JMU the other day and ran a 4.5. Awesome. Yes, uh, a couple more for you. Let you run. Uh, tell me about just uh, the game of football. What do you love most about it? Because I like, love you're always smiling out here, it looks like. Yes, sir. I love it's like the energy is like no other. It's like so competitive. That competitive edge. Mm-hmm. Like I just always grew up outside competing with family, friends, mm-hmm. playing sports, basketball, track, football, all of that. I just love competing. But going back to this past year, you know what you finish up with sack wise, tackle for loss, how many you had or I had you like track of that, all that stuff. <laughs> I don't remember. I can't lie. Okay, no worries. Yes, sir. Um, as we uh, finish up here with you, Manny, tell me about this coming year. You got some goals and things in mind? Yes, sir. I want um, I want to get more of my teammates, Division One offense, and have them side. I want us to get a ring. I want us to go 10-0 because I know we can do it. And I just want to get be the first team out of Nasman to win states. It sounds like this team is building a lot of good pieces from yes, last sir. year. Did y'all built that playoff run help you guys kind of yes, sir, around it did. with confidence? Yes, sir. Yeah. 
little more confidence. Well, uh, keep an eye out for Manny Izagu from the Nance Rewards. He's chasing quarterbacks, getting TFL sacks. He's headed to JMU to play his college football. Congrats. Yes, Thanks sir. so much. Thank you. All right, so that was Manny Izagu. He of Nance River High School in Suffolk. Defensive end, outside linebacker, chases quarterbacks, make big plays, going to Jamie to play his college football. Does not play on the basketball floor for Ed Young, who is absent today, the b-ball coach there. But we'll see if Ed can recruit him over to play some basketball. I'm sure he's going to effort that in the coming days, weeks, and months. We transition from the gridiron to the hardwood now as we've got a special guest with us. He is with the Minor Draft News, College Basketball News, a longtime friend of the program and the station. Talking NBA draft is Chris Monter. Chris, good to connect with you again. How you been? Great to talk to you. How are you today? I'm doing well, and uh, the draft is in the book. So I've got three teams written down here as my best grades. I want to know, uh, does, does Chris Monter grade the draft? And I want to see if you do, who got your A-pluses or A's as far as the draft? I would think at the very top, the team that took Mr. Wimby's got to be at the top of your list, right? Yeah, definitely. I maybe grade a little differently. I always feel like, kind of like even with your fantasy football or whatever draft you have, if the number one player or the player you're supposed to draft is the player you draft, to be honest, I feel like that's an A. If you get a player, you know, who maybe say you're picking 10th and you get a player who probably should have gone eighth, I feel like that's a, you know, you're getting better value. Or if you draft a player at 10 who probably should have gone 20th, I feel like that's a bad grade. So maybe I'm a little different grader, but yeah, obviously when you draft the player you're suspected to get and you're getting a player that some people are calling maybe the best pro prospects ever in basketball or maybe even in any of the sports, baseball, basketball, football, or hockey, uh, you have to give yourself a pretty high grade. Obviously, when Mignogna was a player we've been talking about for almost two years now as being the number one pick in the 2023 draft, so there wasn't really a lot of intrigue about who was going to pick you know, him number one. The question was which team, and we found out at the NBA draft lottery that it was going to be San Antonio, who, of course, is – had good luck in the lottery in the past, getting David Robinson, Tim Duncan, and now getting a player that you know people are hoping can get the Spurs back to where they've been. And he goes you know, to a great organization, obviously. They've had great players. They've won five NBA titles. They have a Hall of Fame coach in Greg Popovich. It's not a huge media market, so I think Wembenyana won't be besieged with media like he might be with a New York or a L.A. or a Chicago, and obviously has a chance to be a a fun player to watch. I know the summer league will be interesting to see how much he plays in July uh, because those games I think will be very much watched because to be honest, a lot of fans haven't seen a ton of his games, maybe a highlight or two or things like that. But, you know, an outstanding athlete at seven, five can handle the ball, can shoot from three point range, eight foot wingspan can be a, a big impact on the defensive end, especially. So, you know, the big question mark is always going to be the strength. You know, he's only 220 pounds. Uh, can he continue to bulk up, add some weight to that frame? But a lot of excitement in San Antonio about him joining the, the Spurs. No question about it. I want to get to a team in a bit here that has me perplexed that I didn't give a good grade to see what you can f- figure out out of them. And I'll get to a couple of your teams that you have as great grades along with the Spurs there, uh, Chris, in a second. But just to stick on Wimbanyama for a second, you know, I hear all these different uh, you know analysts out there, the comparisons there, he's going to have an impact a la these other big men like Kareem or Duncan or David Robinson, a couple of Spurs there and Duncan and David, Timmy and David helped them win championships, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. What's, what in your eyes, A, is a fair or an unrealistic expectation for this kid at this such such an early stage playing for the great Greg Popovich? And then B, is there anybody from just watching clips of him, I don't know if you've seen him live, but just watching footage that he compares most favorably to because he feels like he is so unique and there's not a guy that you say this is his player comp. 
Right, and that's why he's called a unicorn because there really isn't a player you really can compare him to. You know, he's seven four seven five. So there was some talk about maybe a Ralph Sampson, you know, type player, but mm-hmm. you know he can shoot threes. Although you know Ralph expanded his game, and the game has changed so much to it. So it's really hard to compare players. You know, you watch players now. You know, the game is such a three point game now. It's you know seven foot four players aren't what they used to be back in the day. Yeah, Ralph would be shooting um, threes today, right? <laughs> He would be shooting a lot of threes today, probably, because, you know, it was him and Elijah Wan with the Rockets. So, yeah, they could have used him a totally different way than they did back then. So that's what makes it so intriguing because, yeah, you don't really have a comparison. That's one of the things NBA people like to do. And I understand the point of it. I just think sometimes it gets a little bit out of hand how, you know, this guy is comparable to so-and-so. And sometimes the comparisons, I think, are just so funny. They're not really, really that much alike when you compare certain players sometimes. But obviously, you're right. I think he goes into a great situation. And I think it's, you know, uh, San Antonio plays here a lot because uh, they're a Western Conference team here in Minnesota. And those games, to be honest, weren't super exciting last year because you knew they weren't really trying. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, they were a team that probably wasn't on national TV at all. You know, I'm not even sure they were on an NBA TV game, <laughs> let alone TNT and ESPN. That's going to definitely change. And you're right. It'll be fun to watch them. And they have some. Some other young talent will be interesting to see what types of moves they make, whether it be like getting maybe a veteran or two, maybe via free agency to kind of help with the development of Wembenyana and also some of their other young players. Yeah, I think his talents will help accentuate the uh, gifts that Keldon Johnson, who we watched with Boo Williams, former star on the travel scene for Boo uh, with San Antonio, who's been kind of their go-to guy, but can now blend in better as a second or third option with that group. As far as other teams that you felt won the draft, I thought like there's a couple of Western Conference teams that jumped to mind for me. How about you? Was there any couple of teams that you said, really, I love their chances to get a lot better, or if they're already good, maybe become championship-level good? Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of teams have multiple picks, and that was the thing that was so interesting about this draft. You had the four, top 14 teams in the lottery, but then from 15 to 30, nine of those teams had traded their picks before the draft, and then there were some other moves made. So you had a lot of teams picking multiple players. So I think Houston, you have to like them getting two players. Cam Whitmore was the player that many people thought would go in the top 10, and then, of course, they got one of the Thompson twins with their first pick. So I think they help themselves. You know, they are a team that's very young, and sometimes in the NBA you don't want to be too young because you you sometimes, I feel like, pick up bad habits by not really winning and not really being competitive. But I think they did a good job. Uh, a team that I thought did really well, and maybe it's a little bit under the radar, is Denver. You know, they're a team that doesn't really need any immediate players because they have a great starting five when you look at Murray, Porter, uh, Jokic, you know, uh, Caldwell Pope, and, and some of the other players there, but and Aaron Gordon. But they weren't a very deep team, even in the postseason. They really only relied on eight players coming off the bench: Jeff Green, Greg, uh, Bruce Brown, and then uh, also uh, Christian Braun. But I thought they did a good job. They got three players who have a lot of experience. They got uh, Julian Swather out of Swather out of uh, Gonzaga, a good three and D type player. And then they got two players in the second round and Pickett, and then uh, Tyson from Clemson, two players that played five years of college basketball. So they're ready to step in. That's the thing with the NBA. You know, you like having those young players, but when you're a team that's a veteran team and wants to win another championship, maybe a younger player who's maybe not really ready to help you isn't necessarily the greatest thing. So I think they're getting players that, you know, have been around, they're 23 years old, a little bit more a little bit more experienced having played over 100 college games. I thought they did a good job adding some depth to that team and, and you know, 
they're all good defensive players. And that's the one knock you maybe would have on Denver a little bit with their main big three, Porter, Murray, and Jokic, to be honest, aren't great defenders. I think Aaron Gordon's a very good defender, and some of their bench players are good defenders. But I think having three players that maybe have a little more veteran experience and, and defensive abilities is going to help that team. Uh, you, your mind is thinking just like mine, Chris. The three teams I wrote down with my winners were San Antonio, uh, Denver, and Utah. I thought getting Julian Strother was a home run for Denver. I told people all year he was a better prospect than Drew Timmy. He was terrific. He hit that clutch shot in that UCLA game. I think he and he hit a lot of big shots for them late in games this year. I saw Hunter Tyson at the PIT for Clemson. He's really good. And I thought Utah got three impact guys with obviously Taylor Hendricks, who's pretty underrated from Central Florida. Another Florida kid uh, based out of in uh, Ohio State's Bryce Sensiball. And then in the middle of that, they also got Keontae George from Bitter. I thought they really did a great job. But one Western team I can't figure out. Help me out here. He got rid of one of our 757 guys to Brooklyn and Dorian Finney-Smith. Mark Cuban and the Mavs. I can't understand what they're doing. They decided to tank late in the year and miss the play-in. And then they decide, we want to get a top 10 pick. And then, what was it? They want to deal that pick 10 to 12. I have no idea what they're doing, uh, the Mavericks. Help me out. and Help me figure out what they're doing with Luka, Kyrie, and Dallas, what direction they're going in, because I can't understand it for the life of me. Yeah, I'm not really sure what they're doing either, because they're a team that really hasn't relied much to the draft. You know, pretty much every player they got was via free agency or even a trade or even a draft trade. Even Luka Doncic, they didn't draft. Uh, so they really relied on the draft very much. And you're right, I think they're in kind of a quagmire situation. I wasn't super crazy about the Kyrie Irving move. I just don't feel like he really necessarily leads to winning. Uh, a little bit more selfish than I want as a player. Uh, and again, you're right, I thought... I thought the value at 10 was better than dropping back a couple of picks. So I didn't really understand exactly what they're doing. And, you know, they have a lot of issues in terms of salary cap things. So I'm not exactly sure how they can necessarily improve. I kind of understood maybe a little bit, you know, why they won the tank at the end because they didn't want to lose their pick. If there would have been a certain area that they would have drafted, they would have lost their pick. So I understand necessarily why they didn't try, although they did get fined, which I think they should have gotten fined for that one. Uh, sitting out Luka Doncic at the end of the season. But, I agree. you know, the question is, where do you go from there? And, you know, you're hearing Irving possibly to the Lakers. You were hearing maybe to the the Suns, although now that they got Bradley Beal, I don't see that happening. But, yeah, you're right. You just kind of wonder what the future is with that team. And Luka Doncic, obviously an outstanding player, but he needs help. You know, when he had a little more help last uh, a couple of years ago, you know, they made it to the Western Conference Finals. But since then, he's lost a lot of those key role players that they had around him to try and get stars and that hasn't really worked out. So you kind of wonder where this team really goes from here. And they don't have a ton of picks either. They traded a lot of those for in that Kyrie Irving deal. A couple more for you, Chris. We'll let you run from the Monitor Draft News College Basketball News. Chris Mont with us here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. I want to get to the offseason with you in a second, but real quickly, kid from our area out of Norfolk, Keontae Johnson, 757 guy, Kansas State to Oklahoma City Thunder. We know that collapsed a couple years ago on the court when he was at Florida. Uh, can he be a steal for them in a the second round? OKC's got a lot of good young pieces, don't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're a team that was really fun to watch. I got the chance to see them. Uh, play a couple times here in Minnesota, and then Minnesota had to beat them in the play-in game after losing to the Lakers uh, to even get into the play- playoffs. And I think they were maybe a year ahead of what people thought. And you add Chet Holmgren and some of the young talent, and Johnson's just going to be a player, to be honest, you're just going to root for. Not only as a, a basketball fan, just as a human being, just the yes. story, you know, collapsing in that game down at Florida. You, you When you saw it, you just wondered, to be honest, if he would survive. And then to have to sit out and then eventually transfer to Kansas State. And he was one of the reasons the Wildcats had such a strong run in the NCAA tournament along with their point guard. So it was fun to see him make that kind of comeback and then to hear his name called 
call on draft night was just one of the one of the great stories out of this year's draft. As far as the offseason here, I mean, there's a lot of things that could percolate in the next coming days of free agents starting on Friday, but we've already seen Chris Paul get dealt twice. Now Golden State for the time being. Phoenix got Bradley Beal. The Celtics made a deal. They get Porzingis. They end up shipping out uh, Marcus Smart to the Grizzlies uh, instead of trading Brogdon because of the health issue there. Uh, as far as those deals so far and what could be coming, is there one or two that you say, I like this one? And it can really cement that team because Denver, it's going to be hard to beat these guys. What they drafted and have us having Jokic and Murray, provided they stay healthy. I still, I feel still like they're, they're the favorite, even though people might pick a Phoenix of Boston. How about you? Yeah, I, I still wonder about these star teams. I mean, to be honest, you had you know LeBron when he joined Miami, you know, uh, but most of these star teams, especially you know anything involving James Harden, who you know as a talent is a great talent, but I just don't think he you can win with James Harden. And then Brooklyn did it again when they reshaped it and got Ben Simmons and even Phoenix trying to have a, add Kevin Durant. I just don't feel like sometimes those work because you're relying on three players, basically. It means you have no bench. Uh, Phoenix had to trade a couple key players to get Durant, who I like as a player. But, you know, when you lose Bridges and Cam Johnson, you're losing kind of your heart and soul, your defense. And, and I just don't know if that works. That's why I think – what Denver's been able to do, you know, a lot of those players, Jokic was the 41st pick, Murray was the first-round pick, Porter was their own first-round pick. So they've kind of been able to build it through the draft. They're not going to attract big-name free agents. Uh, so, yeah, you wonder sometimes if you can build these teams on the fly, and it's very hard to here in Minnesota. They added Rudy Gobert last year. They thought that was going to be the pu- missing piece of the puzzle. They actually lost four more games than they did before. So, yeah, it's kind of fun to see all the big names. Obviously, now that the draft's over, we're going to hear a lot of speculation about free agency and things like that. But, yeah, to be honest, if I, if, if I had to put some money down, I probably would lean towards Denver winning it all. And you think about that. I remember a lot of people questioned Denver, you know, two, three months ago as a number one seed. They hadn't had, you know, necessarily a lot of great success in the postseason except for the, uh, the bubble year. And, you know, people really doubted them and really wondered if they really – we're capable of winning, and then they go 16 and four, win a title for the first time in NBA history. So yeah. I think it'll be a fun off season. But you're right; I think sometimes these superstar teams, you know, especially now with some of the salary cap ramifications, you wonder if that could really work. Yeah, you're dead on. I had some friends of mine telling me, "Don't let Denver get the Lakers in the one-eight game. That could be trouble." They didn't play the Lakers in the conference finals with LA as a seventeen. They sweep them. I'll get you on this, Chris, because I hear your phone ringing, and I know we got a roll as well. Ed Young did text in a question that you heard people say about the draft not as good because of G League uh, guys, overtime elite, college kids getting picked over, not as many seniors. This has kind of been percolating for years as far as not many seniors. But do you think to get you on this one that that's the new way of the draft that kids are going to bypass college for various reasons, or this was was this an aberration in your eyes this year? Maybe a little bit of aberration. You know, now I think with the NIL money, you know, you wonder how many players will skip college, even just for the one year. And you saw that even with some players who were seniors. You know, Kentucky had uh, their big man come back for another year because he wasn't necessarily a pro prospect, but was able to get some pretty decent money playing uh, playing one more year of college because of NIL. Obviously, when you have three of the top five picks have – G League experience and then a foreign born player, they're good. You know, a lot of fans aren't going to know those players or have only maybe just seen highlights of them. So it maybe takes away from the draft. But I think just kind of just a unique situation. We'd had a freshman being the number one pick for 13 straight years before this year. Uh, like I said, back when they changed the rule, I wasn't crazy about them changing the rule where high school kids couldn't be drafted. You look at LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, Jermaine O'Neal. Uh, Dwight Howard, you know, those players were ready to play in the NBA. I just felt 
if I would have been in charge, and I said it even then, I would have said kids have to be in college for two years before you're drafted. You see it in football, they have to be there for three years. In baseball, if you're drafted out of high school, you can go right to the minors. But once you go to college, you can't be drafted again until you're a junior. I would have thought that would have helped the college and the pro game because now if you're a good prospect, you pretty much know from day one you're only going to be there for one year. So I think that kind of takes away from the college game and, and the NBA game, to be honest. But it'll be interesting to see if the impact of maybe maybe some more kids will look at the G League a little bit harder because of three of the top five picks being players who played in the G League last year. Yeah, very interesting. It's constantly evolving before our very eyes. We'll stay up to date with college basketball, NBA draft, all those different things with Chris Monter, Monter Draft News, College Basketball News. Give him a follow on Twitter, too, at College BB News. Always a pleasure, my friend. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks again. I look forward to it. Thank you. you. That's Chris Monter with us here. We'll take a timeout. One more segment to go here on this edition of 757 Saturday Sports Talk. Keep it tuned. Locked and loaded to Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young. That's right. The other half of the duo is back as uh, Matt Hatfield is here. we got Richie Somerville on the other side of the glass. And the coach, Ed Young, joins us from Parts Unknown as he says good morning to us, probably on another recruiting trip. Who are you out recruiting today, uh, a seven-footer or a little guard? Uh, trying to find, first of all, good morning to all the coach greets all. I am trying to find me a seven-four wingman over in France or give me a uh, G-leaguer that uh, needs a, still has a couple years of high school. Um, I'll take it for one year for high school. Okay, we got That's in your question. We got in your question to monitor about that, but we did not ask Wusu uh, about the Raiders. I wasn't going to do that to him. Uh, he's playing for the Browns and he's happy about it. But uh, I also have to answer because I said it earlier to Keith. Keith wanted to know, or uh, Keith asked earlier about Southampton. They are in class too with all these realignment shuffles for this coming year as we have more schools going up and down. We'll have a lot of football coaches as we get closer to the countdown to football. 61 days away, Ed. That means 61 days you can pretty much count your summer. It'll be gone by then. Yeah, stuff I don't need to hear after we've had only one week of, of the break. Uh, we need it longer, but... You don't need a break. It's year-round uh, now. Well, when you're dealing with 142 sophomores on the daily, which is my job, I understand it, Sometimes you need a longer break than necessary, but um, I'm not complaining. Uh, it's the profession I've chose, and uh, I don't mind working with the kiddies, but they can get on your nerves. Watch this, Richie. I'm going to get him really mad here. Get him fired up. Someone asked me the other day. Now, here we go. He knows where this question's going to. They said, Ed's got 500-something wins. When's he going to retire? And just do the broadcasting thing all the time. So you can go ahead and answer that. that that's not a Matt Hatfield question. It was relayed to Matt Hatfield to ask you this question. So go ahead. Would you like to address that? Um, I'll retire when I'm good and ready to retire. Not because others don't want me. And I mean, I know there's some people that don't want to coach against me. I understand that. But I, those 500 wins are credited to the kids I've had over the years and the assistant coaches that did a hell of a lot of legwork. Um and, and I still want to be a pain in the butt to those other guys that I'm coaching against. So I will be in it for a while as long as my health holds up and I feel like I'm productive. I'm not going to hang on like some do. And I never went out for the 500 wins. I try to win them all. But, um, I mean, you can't, you can't last forever. There will come a time when it's, it is time to step away. And 
I want to get into my uh, next phase of the life. Okay. Well, so you're not chasing 600 wins. So let me ask this as a follow-up, because I don't know that everything was necessarily said, well, that we want you gone because people love you and hate you. What what do you, and you've expressed many a times, but you don't have enough time in our final six minutes remaining to go over those, the things that you do not like with the current state of sports, specifically at your level high school. What do you enjoy most? What do you, hold on, what do you enjoy most now about coaching this, and what is this going to be for you? Year 32? High school-wise, yes. Okay. Um, plus, I got six years on the college level. Um, I did some semi-pro coaching. Right. But, I love I love working with the kids, trying to get them better at a sport. Hopefully, they love. Um, and and of course, I love to try to be able to have influence on their personal lives, like maybe better student. They're not always motivated to do well in the classroom, and definitely put them on the right the right path in the old game of life. There's a lot of similarities for for sports, especially basketball and the game of life. So I, I want to try to not be the reason their failures, maybe be a piece a small piece of the reason that their success is. When I feel those aren't happening, it's time to step away. And it is getting more challenging because kids are slightly different because we allow them to be different. Our society has gone lax in a lot of things. We got parents that don't understand what the heck being a parent really means. Um, it's not being a friend of the kid. But um, And I'll speak more of that at another time. And, and when I retire, I'm going to open up on a lot of things. I probably need to go to Sirius Radio or a podcast because people ain't going to like what i got to say. But that's for another time. Okay. And our final few minutes remaining with the coach, Ed Young, my usual cohort here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk. I want to know here, it is almost 4th of July, Independence Day. I know you love a good cookout, uh, barbecue, getting on the grill, going to the beach. Uh, you have the College World Series game one tonight, LSU, Florida. You have turn back the clock night coming up on Wednesday. The all-star break and trading deadline are approaching in baseball, which means I know you, your, your Yankees need to make a bunch of moves because they're still looking up at the Rays. And the Orioles in the AL East, the very, very competitive and probably best division in the sport, AL East. So what is Ed Young most looking forward to in the coming days here as we get to the meat and potatoes, the dog days of summer? Well, one thing that excites me is trade deadline. Yankees better do something because it's a bizarre world. We're going to struggle to get into the playoffs, and Arizona might end up with one of the best records in baseball. And it just bugs you, doesn't it? It bugs the heck out of you, doesn't it? It don't bug me, but I yeah, don't understand how you go from being a, a strong Triple A team hey, to now. you know winning. I, I guess baseball is just that weak. But it's not that weak. Nobody to blame but them, blame but themselves. Can't rely on Judge all the time. My toe injury was—I knew that toe injury would keep him out a long time. Uh, turf toes, you don't come back from very quick. Um, but the trade deadline is nice. All Star game, if they play it the right way, is is fun. Um, as we said last week, College World Series doesn't it. College baseball doesn't catch my excitement. As oh, much wait, as you didn't get into I that LSU-Wake Forest game of the night where it was nil-nil and extra innings and an LSU kid walked it off? That was I, that was some good, tense baseball. You you didn't get into that? that? No, nah, I didn't see it. I heard about it, and then I thought, man, I wish I, that would have kept – that's something that would keep me to watch it. I mean, I respect it like any sport. Respect them all because people are – I do think you made a good point real quick because I was telling someone this other day about this real quick to give you some credit. I give you I give you props. I also give you grief. 
I think what hurts the College World Series at times to the, the casual fan is they don't know. I'll give you an example. I had a buddy of mine. It's a true story. Ed. He called me and said, if Wake loses tonight, they're done. And it was, the, it, was the, it was the second game of the three. He thought if they lost, they were out. They, had, they lost the game. They played the next night. So a lot of people don't know the situation unless you follow your team deeply. I think that's what hurts a little bit. Although the baseball, if you actually can sit down and watch it, it's some pretty good baseball. It is. I, I'm not knocking it. It's my problem for not latching on to because I'm a sport person. I love any sport. Um, I'm not as crazy as dudes that will go bet on England cricket and, and uh, South African and basketball. I'm not sure there's many people out there who hate to do that. Some, but I am into the sport. I just don't latch on to it as much. And I love baseball. I am a baseball traditionalist. Right. love it. Um, hate some of them new rules, as you well know. Oh, yeah. Banning the shift. Are you kidding me? But yeah, it, I wish more, it, college baseball would do more to get it attractive. But I blame that on me and the people who don't like it. I don't really blame it on college right. um, baseball itself. All right, 60 seconds or less because we're almost out of time. Uh, our poll question today who's more exciting, Shohei Otani or Ellie De La Cruz of the red hot Cincinnati Reds who have won 12 straight? And former Virginia Preps publisher Zirkel Blakey's going bananas as a Reds fan. Well, you know, thank God the Reds are back. They got a lot of really good young players. They're going to be in the same boat as the Tampa Bay franchise. Are they going to pay these guys when it's time? Uh, the Dead Cruz guy is ex- exceptional. Otani's proven, absolutely proven. De La Cruz is still a rookie. Um, Otani, everybody's talking about Dodgers next year, one way or the other. The Angels are never going to win. So it. who are you picking, Otani or Cruz? Pick somebody. Give me Cruz as the exciting kid right uh-huh. now. That's the Coach Ed Young for Pete Mishu and all our guests, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, and so much more. Chris Monter for Richie Somerville and Matt Hatfield. We'll talk to you next Saturday in July on 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1.